This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. What's the focus on BFM 89.9, The Business Station? 9.36am, Friday the 28th of April. You are listening to The Morning Run. I'm Shazana Mokhtar with Wong Shaoning. This is WTF, or What's the Focus? Our roundup show of the top stories this week and other news tidbits that you may have missed. So we have a very media-centric themed show today. I think there have been a lot of news media-related headlines that have crossed our uh, come to our attention. Let's start internationally. The week began with the rather shocking exit of Fox Media host Tucker Carlson from the organization. Now, he's hosted the very popular weeknight show, Tucker Carlson Tonight, since 2016. And he seemingly had no inkling that he would be fired when he closed the show on Friday. He said, see you on Monday. Uh, But yes, audiences will never see him on the show again. Yeah, at least not on Fox uh, channel, right? So what's the moral story, Shaz? We shouldn't tell our uh, listeners we will we'll speak <laughs> we'll to be you. back? We don't know. We don't know. <laughs> Nothing is certain. There are no certainties in life. Even if you're one of the best paid, most well-known TV hosts, you can be fired in a blink of an eye, right? And this is somewhat, I think, related to the lawsuit that uh, Fox News settled with Dominion, which was a vote vote counting company, shall we call it that? Um, and Fox News settled Fox settled for seven hundred and eighty million US dollars, probably the highest ever settlement for a media company. And it's really Tucker Carlson made a, you know alleged that during the last elections in the United States there was voter fraud, that you know these uh, Dominion counting machines were not reliable, and he said it multiple times, right? Despite the fact that even internally, Fox executives didn't quite believe that story and neither did he also. Yeah. To be honest, there isn't really much clarity as to why he was fired. There's a lot of speculation, um, a lot of guesses as to what this could be. The Dominion lawsuit and mm-hmm. settlement was definitely one of them. Uh, there are rumours that um, there was something in as if they went to trial um, and discovery came about, there'd be more documents, more maybe embarrassing um, revelations of what was said behind closed doors, perhaps. Um, there are also rumours linking him with um, Rupert Murdoch, the founder of Fox's News, ex-fiancé and... Um, really? Oh. A lot. I mean, not not nothing. Nothing salacious of that nature. Oh, but I'm um, disappointed. But <laughs> never mind. <laughs> nothing salacious of the nature. But uh, but again, I mean, there are just so many stories out there that is not really sure uh, what is the real reason. Uh, Tucker Carlson has been pretty mum, but he did come out. I think just uh, just Wednesday, he uh, put out a video on Twitter um, talking, not really talking directly about his firing, but uh, commenting more broadly on what he thinks of the media landscape and the fact that uh, nothing is very genuine. Um, I found it quite odd given the fact he is part of the media landscape in a way. Um, but, yeah, it shows when you when you when you say the word media, it just means so many different things, right? And you've got the left and the right and the left and the right, the spread between them is like ever widening, right? Uh, but he has broken his silence without really addressing why Fox News actually fired him. Uh, he posted it to his Twitter feed, of course, and discusses his view on the state of US politics and media. That And uh, he suggests that he's, he's not really going away. 
perhaps not. And I mean, what happens to Tucker Carlson is one thing. Will he join maybe one of the more right-wing uh, media organizations like uh, Max News, for example? What I'm curious also to see is how Fox is going to position itself, especially in the lead up to the 2024 mm. elections. Now that it's come out that uh, Fox News personnel didn't really favor Donald Trump, the fact that Donald Trump is a potential Republican candidate, what are they going to do? Are they going to back him as they did during the 2020 elections? Mm. Or will they come up with a different angle, I think that's really what remains to be seen because they did lose mm. viewers during 2020 when, um, you know, by not, I guess, being as overtly supportive of the outcomes as yeah. others. That's a very valid point because actually during the Biden reign, it had been clear that Fox as a station was distancing themselves from Trump. And this was because they thought, okay, the Trump era is over, right? He's not coming back. He's got all this litigation against him. He's not popular. He lost the elections very clearly, both from a popularity perspective and even from the college vote perspective. And they were actually one of the first to call during the US elections that it was Biden's race. That's he right. had won, right? It caused viewers to change channels to yeah, other right-wing platforms. But fast forward to, to April 2023, it looks like Trump isn't going anywhere. And He's he still might around. actually win the Republican nomination. He might actually be in the lead. And there might be a situation where he gets into the White House. So does this mean that Fox needs to quickly like do a two-step back and like, yes... Mr. President, you know, please come on our channel. Tell us all these stories about. I mean, know? it's not something they haven't done in the past. So we will have to see what happens on that front. But uh, Tucker Carlson, for me, really epitomizes that rise of right wing polemic discourse, you know, capitalizing on the politics of outrage, really getting reactions from the audience. Um, and I, I wonder if they will replace his primetime spot with someone very similar. Well, at the moment, it's a rotation of uh, guest hosts, right? But what's interesting is Tucker Carlson's final words in that. You know, that tweet which basically says, where can you find Americans saying true things? He said, there aren't many places left where there are some and that's enough. As long as you can hear the words, there is hope. See you soon. He didn't say Monday, but he just said see you soon. Well, that could be sooner or later. We will wait and see. And speaking of outrage, can we just mention the passing of, I guess, a very iconic TV show host, right? Uh, Jerry Springer. Did uh, we ever show it in Malaysia? I don't believe so, but the age of the internet has enabled access to many millions of people who may not have been able to see it on TV. Uh, Jerry Springer, the host of the Jerry Springer Show, has died aged 79. Um, his talk show is one of those legendary, um, I guess, pieces of media that's discussed, right? I never watched it personally, but even I know the kind of connotations or the kinds of stories that you can find on Jerry Springer. Okay, so he's done for 4,000 episodes, right? Um, and apparently he's going to be, he's always going to be synonymous with the paternity test, the bleep out swearing and security guards always ready to break up a fight. We will miss him. Whatever said and done, he was in those shows were interesting. I do wonder what it says about what we enjoy consuming in a way, you know, and uh, it's it's one of those very how to say it's I don't like know what to say. Inquirer, but on TV. I guess, I guess. It yeah, it makes me I mean people it, love, I guess, um what would you call that spectacle, right? Yeah, it was they a do. spectacle. Um but yeah, I don't know. Now I, we have social media for that, but never mind. <laughs> 
Speaking of social media, can we turn our attention to um, news media organizations that maybe have not been able to navigate the changing media landscape all that well? Uh, in the past week, uh, we saw BuzzFeed News uh, decide to close its doors. BuzzFeed, uh, the brand that's usually associated with listicles, culture pop quizzes, they had a news, uh, a news segment that was very critically acclaimed, actually. It actually won Pulitzer Prizes, mm. uh, but they are shutting down BuzzFeed News as part of a 15% workforce cut across the whole company. Okay, so I, I had to read up on this because I, I would say I'm not a BuzzFeed na- native. I, I don't really go into, never really looked at their website. But f- from what I read, basically at one point, people assume that BuzzFeed is akin to what Netflix was to film and television and they would be akin to what is news media. So it would be a dis- disruptive business model um, but somebody commented that in reality, they were more like a blockbuster video. So uh, you you go in there when you want something, but only when you want something. And you might not rent anything to begin with. And that's how, because of how they earn their income. What is their model, their business mm. model, right? So for them, a lot of it is still ad revenue when you go into the website. The problem is if you don't go into the website then you don't earn any revenue mm. versus the subscription model, which is what Netflix does. And so does other more successful uh, news feeds like New York Times, right? They have a paywall. You have to be a subscriber. Otherwise, you won't have access to the articles. That's right. And I think that is going to be one of the dilemmas that news media organizations grapple with moving forward. I know there are some holdouts. The Guardian has for the longest time... Um, Thank you, Guardian. You know, said that they would not introduce subscriptions, but they are asking for donations or or for those who want to voluntarily subscribe, they welcome it. And I wonder if this is the future. Will news media organizations need to have subscriptions in in order to maintain their journalistic, um, I guess, segments? And to me, the closure of BuzzFeed News raises the question of what's going to happen to journalism. If Mm. we can't put the investment into good journalism, what will that mean for the consumption of news and production of news? moving forward. But the point is as consumers, have we been fed a diet of free things and we don't want to pay? And that's part of the problem, right? When things are free, how do you then take it away from someone, right? And we think that journalism, it should be free. But good journalism, coming up with good stories, it takes costs. time. It, ta- it costs money. They need to be people on the ground doing the hard work. Who's going to pay for those salaries, right? So you either make it from ADEX or you make it from subscription. But the balance is hard to find. And when people are used to free things, they're not willing to pay for subscriptions. Mm. It's not just BuzzFeed News that's um, had this shakeup. I think we also saw Vice Media making cutting uh, cut, cutting costs in its news media outlet. They're closing their flagship TV show. Uh, they're cutting jobs and they're really focusing more on video content from what I understand. So uh, that's just another way that the cookie is crumbling in the media landscape. Um, uh, and also, I think um, there's been news on the media in Malaysia as well. Mm, because we saw Tong Kuen On, uh, who is owner, well, owner of The Edge and The Edge Communication, uh, buying 5.7% stake in Star Media, which needs no introduction, right? On the back of that news, actually, Star share price jumped. And in an internal memo to the age, it was reported that Tan Sri Tong said that this was just an investment. And I was thinking, is it truly an investment? Well, if you look at it from a cash perspective, yes, because Star is sitting on cash as much as 360 million, but they ring it, but they've had pretty tough times, right? Structural decline in traditional media. Of course, circulation at the Star has declined also with that ADEX. Although probably 
the the worst is over. But I'm going to be interested to find out what, are, you know, he has just a 5% stake. So he, he's not making any management decisions. But what's his, what's the game plan here? Just really investment? I guess we'll have to keep an eye on that stake, right? I mean, look what Elon Musk did, right? Slowly, slowly crept into Twitter and uh, eventually took it all over. Not that I'm, spe- not that I'm, you know, trying to signal anything on that sort. But can I just mention that the star is it did increase its prices earlier this month, right? Which could only mean, you know, I think many are saying that that just means less readership, perhaps, depending, or they'd have to beef up their output in order to keep those readers coming in. Yeah, but very quickly, you mentioned Twitter, right? Guess what? There's another competitor in town. Oh really? Tell me, because I'm looking to change. I'm looking for a swap. I want I want. I want a new platform to grab. Well, to, it's called to. Blue Sky, and it's backed by the one and only Jack Dorsey. But it's invite only. Oh, does anybody want to invite me? I'm, I I wait invitations, please. Okay, so they started inviting users from its waiting list. I want to be put on their waiting list. Now there's a million people on it. Uh, is it really going to be a a big competitor against Twitter? It's a similar format. I think there's been a lot of complaints with Twitter since Elon Musk took over, right? And just recently, it was the whole um, Twitter logo, sorry, that uh, uh, blue tick. The blue tick. There was this whole kerfuffle over the blue tick where they took away legacy blue ticks that weren't paid for subscriptions. Then he gave back some. And then he gave back some to certain people and then people don't want it anymore. And I just think there's a whole credibility and legitimacy issue when it comes to Twitter. It is ripe for a disruptor, but whether that disruptor is going to be blueski, that remains to be seen. But you know, social media's come, social media platforms come and go. Remember the days, I think you you put this up, Friendster and MySpace. Indeed. And you have to wonder what makes the social media platform stick, right? Facebook has shown its longevity, but it is on the decline. Everyone's now on TikTok, although you're not yet. I'm working on that. But, <laughs> but uh, you know, it, it's it's an interesting to see how what social media platforms stick and what don't. Um, I'm sure we'll be following this Further moving forward, we're going to take a quick break. It's 9.49 a.m. We'll come back with more uh, stories from the local scene. Stay tuned, BFM 89.9. 9.51 a.m. You are listening to The Morning Run with Shazana and Xiaoning. This is WTF, or What's the Focus, our weekly recap show. We're turning our attention to some of the stories that have caught our eye this week. Um, And I think the big debate online has been about open houses, yeah? And the fact that uh, this year's Raya, Hari Raya open house by the Prime Minister is going on a bit of a road show. Typically, the uh, Prime Minister's open house is held at his residence in Putrajaya. Uh, Perhaps that's for the first day and people can come if they're around. This time, though, the prime minister and his cabinet, or I suppose, or his his team, they are traveling to six different states across the country. Uh, I think it's going to kick off tomorrow, April 29th in Kedah. Yeah, so it's, what's in, um, well, it's Penang, Negeri Sembilan, Kelantan, Trunganu, and the final one will be in Selangor. Uh, I never knew that having an open house would create such noise. I suppose, <laughs> depends on which way you want to look at it, right? Because these six states, don't forget Malaysia has 13 states, yeah? yeah but yeah, these yeah. six states that were chosen are the ones that are scheduled to have state elections later oh, this year. coincidentally. Coincidentally. Just coincidentally, of course. <laughs> these state elections have not been announced. We don't know when the date is. Um, but there are many who associate these uh, open house or the Raya open house with uh, a kind of um, election campaign of sorts, even mm. though state elections again, have not been announced as to when they are going to be. Okay. So we know some states are unhappy with this and some states are, okay, fine, come. 
you know, uh, by all means, have your open house. So I think if I'm not wrong, Trunganu and Kelantan, which are run by PAS, have said, fine, please have your open house. But Kedah and uh, Kedah has kind of said, no, we don't really want them. So is it why is it making so much noise? In, in the papers that's one that, in so social media I can't, I can't f- figure out some people say oh you know you shouldn't be spending this kind of money the money should be put to better use and I'm like how much money maybe someone should declare how much money is really being spent on this and yeah of course it's, it's part of the PM's outreach campaign which coincides, coincides with the state elections but isn't that what politicians do anyway it is what politicians do or but shouldn't I guess, they not use government money i think that was one of the points that was raised right because yes even though it's not within the state election campaigning time the fact of the matter is um it is being done in states where state elections are going to be held can this be considered a campaign or a covert campaign um, i think there have been some proposals that uh, perhaps the prime minister should come out and say that this isn't being uh, used, government funds aren't being used for this, but instead party funds are being used for this. Um, I don't know if that would help to clear up the air, but uh, it does just point to the fact that we do live in a very polarized political um, environment at the moment where anything anybody does Mm. can be interpreted uh, in a way uh, that, you know, that's not um, positive. Well, it's become the situation where every action is, is seen like differently when you're not, you know, when you're political enemies, right? Although PKR communications director has just said, look, these are just our unity government open houses in an official event to celebrate Hari Raya and everyone, they like to repeat, everyone is welcome to attend. It does uh, help, I think, in Kedah, in, in Kelantan and Trunganu, where they are combining forces with the state government. Then that, to me, that feels uh, less, uh, how to say, less polarizing. Um, but in the case of Kedah, for example, where coincidentally they do expect the largest crowd of about 25,000 people compared to the 15,000 in other states, uh, then that is where you can actually see the political rhetoric heat up. Well, as we get to state elections, get ready, get ready. For more of this. Yeah, definitely. Uh, shall we talk about 1MDB? Of course, the the story that keeps on giving, right? Yes. It's never. been how many years and <laughs> we do not close the book on this. Chapters keep coming. So what's the latest chapter? Well, um, about two weeks ago, there was noise coming out that Joe Lowe might actually be back. Uh, I don't think voluntarily, but he might actually be coming back. Um, there was noise that some deal was arranged and he could, but... There's no confirmation as of such, although the government has, of course, said that they are still on the hunt for him. So it'll be. I think if he ever came back, oh boy, then that will be the really interesting revelations about what's happened. But in the meantime, a jury in the United States has convicted Grammy Award-winning rapper, and you have to say his name, Pras, <laughs> Pras Michelle of the Fugees of the Fugees. Yeah. Uh, of criminal charges that he conspired with Joe Lowe to orchestrate a series of foreign lobbying campaigns aimed at influencing the U.S. government under two presidents. So he was charged with 10 counts of crimes, including conspiracy, a- conspiracy, acting as an agent of a foreign government, witness tampering and falsifying campaign records. Prosecutors accused him of plotting with uh, Joe Lowe. Um, I wonder if... Uh, okay, so his his lawyer has told reporters that he's extremely d- disappointed. Who isn't disappointed when they're guilty? Of course, uh, but remains hopeful that the charges could be dismissed. Uh, I suppose this means that uh, he will be appealing. What's interesting is the witnesses that were brought into the courthouse. Leonardo DiCaprio. 
the one and only former US Attorney General Jeff Sessions. It's like Joe Lowe really partied with the best, everyone and anyone, right? Miranda Kerr, Paris Hilton, buying $600 champagne bottles. He really knew how to splurge. Unfortunately, the money he splurged was ours. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is the outrage that's needed when we talk about this story. Uh, I think over in Switzerland, also, there have been developments. Um, Swiss authorities are charging two executives uh, over their role in the 1MDB fraud, um, likely to be Petro-Saudi international executive Tariq Obaid and Patrick Mahoney. These haven't been named, I think, uh, the yeah, they haven't really been named um, in official documents, mm. but uh, this is what media reports are saying. Well, they were the two, these two men were allegedly the principal players who conspired with Jolo, of course, to steal 1.8 billion US dollars from 1MDB via a joint venture with Petro Saudi that, like we say, it's been going on forever, that started in 2009 and between 2010 and 2011, another 800 million was put into 1MDB, uh, sorry, put in by 1MDB into various fraudulent schemes with Petro Saudi and these allegations cover a period up to 2015 and have been going on for a very long time. Don't forget that even on our local front, there are still many trials related to 1MDB still in the mix involving former Prime Minister Najib Razak. So we are keeping an eye on all those developments. But meanwhile, we are coming up to 9.59am and that's all that we have for the morning run on WTF. We're heading into the 10am news bulletin and then it's over to Enterprise BFM 89.9. What's the focus on BFM 89.9, The Business Station? You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.